unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Make the world that put you here happy that you were put there in that great institution. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Words can inspire, and words can destroy. Choose yours well. Robin Sharma said that once, and I think that perfectly demonstrates the idea of today's episode. So first of all, I'd like to welcome all of you back to the Gambit Speech Podcast, what I'm referring to as my video journal for my random brain vomit, and we're going to be doing an episode on that eventually too. Um, The idea behind this podcast is that I have a lot of ideas about public speaking, about communication, leadership, all that kind of stuff that... I needed to organize properly into somewhere. And I originally started this as a way of teaching people about public speaking. But as I began, I realized I don't know enough about it to teach anyone enough to make a podcast out of. I, I have some good tips I feel like are, are good. I have some advice. I have some theories on what can work and what can't. And we'll go over all of those things as time goes on. But I was finding myself struggling to come up with new episode ideas, so I created this as a way of kind of working through some of these thoughts, and hopefully some people get something beneficial out of it. So today's episode is about the power of speech, why it's important to learn how to speak whatsoever. I figured it'd be kind of a a good first episode to have, considering it's an episode about learning how to speak and how to be a good leader in communication and all those sorts of things. might be important to know why you're doing all these things. So as I mentioned in my first episode, in my trailer episode, I'm going to be mentioning Jordan Peterson a lot. He's a big influence of mine. I, I read a lot of his books, and, and, and I've watched a ton of his lectures and video series and podcasts and all those sorts of things, and I've learned quite a bit from him. And I base a lot of my understanding of psychology off of off of his work. And so some of the things I'll be referring to are, are a lot of his findings. Some of them are things that I've learned from just reading other works or from my own evaluations or my own experience, and those are going to vary depending on, you know, all sorts of different things. But today's episode is one that was based off of something that he said in a video once. And basically what he said was, if you have the ability to think, to write, and to speak, that you are incredibly deadly. And he explained this a little bit in, in detail, but I think what he was trying to say was that thought is one of the most powerful things you can have. If you can think, and, and not just think, but articulate to to um, understand something deeply enough to be able to come up with original ideas about it and not just based on your ideas off of what someone else has said, that that's incredibly valuable. It's almost intrinsically valuable. It's It's so valuable and so dangerous because that's not something that really happens a whole lot today and so it's 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 incredibly valuable to be able to think okay great thinking up there perfect when it comes to writing and speaking those are two very different things uh, kind of except that they're not so yes thinking is, is an incredibly useful where did i put that up there thinking is an incredibly useful thing to to have but if you can't formulate that thought into anything that's that's consumable by someone else, then the thought is, for all intents and purposes, useless. Thoughts are not beneficial to anyone unless they can be demonstrated, unless they can be expressed. Uh, they might help someone remain sane, I guess, if you want to use that word. It's kind of... What, what defines sanity is kind of uh, ambiguous, but 
the the ability to express thought that's what's valuable and the two most popular ways that people express thought are through writing and through speech and people tend to think that those two are very very different and really they're not uh maybe the the personality of someone who writes versus someone who speaks exclusively may be different, but the idea of expressing thought through writing and expressing thought through speech is almost identical. I've, I've said all the time that speech structure and, and essay structure are, if, if not synonymous, then, then very close to being the exact same. You basically, if you lay out a speech outline and, and, and a speech and a essay outline, they have all the same components. They both have an intro. The intro is composed of a hook or a or an opening statement. It's got a thesis in there, and it's got and the thesis usually explains the three points that will be discussed in the body of the essay, and then it's got some kind of claim that's going to transition into the next essay uh, portion. And speech is the same thing. You have an opening statement. You have your thesis statement, which is basically, you know, you're, you're telling what you're going to tell them statement. And then you have a transition into your next point. And you usually have three points, two to three points, depending on the speech or the essay. Those three points are, are where you have all your information, your, your data, your, you know, what, what my uh, old mentor would call the meat and potatoes of your speech. And after that, you have the conclusion. And the conclusion is basically just a rehashing of everything you just said. So it's it's a, another form of hook, it's a restatement of the thesis, and then it's usually a call to action or at least some kind of closing statement that ties up what you're what you're trying to say fairly neatly. And essays and speeches all have these things in common. Obviously there's differences, but there's persuasive essays, there's persuasive speeches, there's informative essays, there's informative speeches. Most of, of essays and speeches are fairly identical. The only types of speech that, that I haven't been able to, to find in a written form have been like negotiations and debates, which I guess you could kind of say there's a written form of, of negotiations and debates, but they're not quite as as crucial because negotiation negotiation and debate are based a lot on body language. And there's a lot of nonverbal factors to that debate or that negotiation going well because basically you're in a mental battle at that point. When you're trying to inform or persuade someone, you're not in a mental battle. You're just trying to get as much information out there as possible. And your body language can supplement that. And we'll go over body language another time. But as far as the expression of the thought, the formats of writing and speaking are nearly identical. But if you can do both of them extremely well, if you can articulate extremely well, then you are incredibly deadly and dangerous. And I say that with with the best intentions. Basically, I don't mean that you need to be constrained and put into a prison, but it means that you're something that's that's not worth messing with, that people should understand that you have a lot of, of power not in the tyrannical sense, but in the sense that you can control your circumstances much easier than most people can because you can think them through. You don't believe what you're, what you're first told. You don't, you don't just follow what everyone else is saying. You think through things and you articulate them into another written form or a, or a spoken form. And so I know that I went really, really fast there, but I think, I think that's kind of where, where he was going with that idea. And I think it's a very accurate one. It's one that I've said for a long time. And it's important to understand, and I, I think I mentioned this before, but speaking and talking are not the same thing. It's, I, I can't remember where, uh, where the quote comes from now, but, you know, how they say just because you can speak does not make you intelligent. There's, there's a, uh, there's a lot of, of, there's a lot to be said about the idea that people can talk and they can run their mouth as much as they want. That does not make them a good speaker. It does not make them smart. It does not make them better than anyone else. There's a lot of people who are much quieter. They're much more intelligent, much more articulate and have a much better idea. They just have no idea how to articulate it into a spoken form. So if you can just speak, 
And if you can just write, but you can't think, you're you're missing the most important part of the puzzle. Because I know people who can speak but can't think, and sure, they sound good, but what they're saying means nothing. And I know people who can write but can't think, and same thing. This The essay is is fun to read, but there's there's no substance there. And without that substance, without that thought, without that soul, and that's another thing that I wanted to mention too is that Whenever you're writing anything, whether it be a speech or an essay or, you know, a book or, or whatever it is, whenever you're writing something or whenever you're putting your, your expressive thought into something, it's almost like a piece of your soul is getting lashed onto that thing. It, a good speaker knows how to bring his soul into the speech. That's called, that's what we call passion. And, and writing has that same factor to it because you can feel the soul come out of the writing as you're reading it. That's how you can tell between a good speaker and writer and a bad speaker and writer. And and really, it's not good and bad. It's it's which one uses more thought. Because that thought, yes, while it's conscious thought like this, it's also a piece of the soul. It's a piece of the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm, whatever you want to call it. It's a piece of you. And it's a piece of who your reader or your, or your listener. It's a piece of humanity, if you will. It's a piece of consciousness. It's a piece of whatever it is that makes us so obsessed with reading and listening to speeches. And I'm going to get into that here in a second too. I think that there's a there's a fourth piece to this that, that Jordan Peterson left off and this part's a little bit um different than the other two the other three parts. Um again it's a branch of act or it's it's a branch of thinking, it's a branch of expression and it's it's very different than than thought or or writing though or a uh, speech or writing though. And I kind of spoiled it earlier. It's acting. It's it's and not acting in the sense that you know, like you're in Hollywood, but I think that yes, you can you can speak and yes, you can write and yes, you can think and all of those things are are fine and good and they they prove to be an articulate being at that point. But if you can't act out what you're saying and what you're writing and what you're thinking, then are you? Really, it's it's a matter of do you actually believe it, and I think that's a, that's a part of the conversation that's being lost. Is that we see a lot of people today that are great speakers, that are great writers, that are great thinkers, but they don't really believe what they're saying or what they're writing or what they're thinking. They may think they do, but they're not acting out those ideas. And if they're not acting out those ideas, then they must not truly believe them. And so I think that action is a big part of, of creating your articulate, you know, quote unquote, most deadly human um, is that if, if you can if you can learn to act out everything that you are preaching, then you are truly unstoppable. Because at that point, you know, I, I always joke about, you know, how cool it would be if you had presidential candidates that instead of just, you know, taking cheap shots at each other, if you had one candidate that was up there, and yeah, he articulates himself well and he sounds smart and everything, but his opponent says something and and he's just silent the entire time. He's just sitting there watching. And he sees his opponent is blinking really fast while he talks, or or he's he's you know he's doing this a whole lot while he talks, or he's he's got his hands behind his back while he talks, or you know he's his feet are pointing in different directions, or he's got all these different cues going on, and once the opponent is finished speaking, the candidate just kind of looks at him and goes, "You guys really trust this guy? I mean, look at he blinks." you know, 50 times a second, his hands are behind his back, or when they're in front, he's holding him in a position that means that he thinks he's dominant to you. His feet are pointing two opposite directions, which means his attention is divided. Like, to see a candidate pull off something like that would be, I think, really, really cool and funny, because it's, it's, it's breaking apart not just the 
the you know vocalization of that that candidate's ideas but it's breaking apart everything that is nonverbal that's that's non conscious behavior that's that's part of their action too if you could break that apart then you really can't defend yourself at that point you can't defend that your body language or that 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 you know you just were standing like that because you were comfortable that way there's there's subconscious reasons to to why we do things with our bodies that we do and some people can control them better than others but if you can't control them then they tell way more than your voice can and i think that if you're able to act in a way that that portrays your thoughts and your in your speech and your writings and all of those things complement and supplement and confirm each other then nobody's gonna be able to stop you with anything Nobody can put you down if you can prove that you believe what you what you say you believe and that you're going to actually do what you, what you say you're going to do. That's something that nobody can take away from you. And so I was going through this quite a bit, and I, I, I want to do a full-on speech about this. And I'm going to explain what I mean by speech here in a second. But there's a lot of ways that we learn how to do these things. You know, we, we read so that we can learn how to write. And really, that's I think that's the reason we learn how to read and I think the reading is, is useful for a lot of reasons, but I think most of all it teaches us how to express thought in more ways than one. We listen to speakers. We listen to people just talking in general to learn how to speak and and you know learn how to, to articulate thought in a way that can be spoken outward. And, and also because of admiration, but we admire people that can speak. There's a reason for that. There's a, there's a subconscious reason for that. And I think that we learn how to think in a few different ways. The two I mentioned earlier are our ways. I think that by playing with our imagination, we really learn how to think, though. We learn how to kind of push our thoughts to their limits and see what we can come up with. And, you know, there's there's an old, there's an old idea pushed by a psychologist. And I can't remember. I think it was I think it was Carl Jung. I think it was Jung, but I could be wrong. I'll, I'll have to double-check that. Um, but he said that, that people don't have ideas, that ideas have people. I think that's kind of the cool... It's a cool thing to say because if you think about it, it's pretty true. You don't just come up with ideas. Ideas just show up in your head. And so we learn how to think by letting those ideas come to our head, but we also have to imagine what that idea could mean in a way that helps us understand the idea in a deeper level. So there's, there's a certain level of thinking still happening, but the idea is not your own. You just take the idea and do with it what you want, but it's, it's the exercise of imagining things that helps the thought process activate in the first place. So the question then becomes, well, how do we learn how to act? And I think that there's a lot of ways we learn how to act. We watch TV and, you know, and, and we, uh, we listen to speakers and we, and we read books and we, and we try to figure out how other people are acting. But I think there's a big part of the conversation that's being forgotten right now, and that's that we play games. You know, playing games is an important way of learning how to act. And, and you know, there's, there's tons of documentation that show that kids playing games is a form of society in and of itself. They're learning what actions are going to make other people like them and what actions are not going to make, make other people like them. And more often than not, it's honesty and, and adherence to what they say that makes people like them. And as you learn that, you start to develop a personality based around the idea of making people like you for who you are or making people like you for who you're, who you're not. And, and the difference between those two is, is how you accept yourself. And I, that's a whole other discussion I'll get into another time, probably, maybe eventually. But I think that playing out these scenarios, I think that playing games, that, that you know, putting yourself in a situation that's both fictional and real, it's, it's, it's as fictional as it is real, is 
important for, for our ability to understand how the world works. And I think that we do that really well with video games. Video games do a lot of different things for us. They teach us about a lot of different things. And I understand the whole controversy about video games cause violence and video games rot the mind and all this kind of stuff. But all I have to say is people got mad about people reading books for a long time too. Books were, were about as ridiculed, if not more so, than video games were for a very long time. And now people see reading books as, as this incredibly intelligent, virtuous thing. I don't see video games as, as, you know, not going down that route eventually. I think video games will eventually be seen as something that's intrinsically valuable to the idea of, of processing scenarios that help us learn how to act in, in the world and in society. So, I mean, I grew up on video games, so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I think that there's a lot to be said about what video games can do for psychology and can do for personal development. And... I could go on and on and on about that. I, I want to do a speech on video games and on how to act and how to learn from, from games and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think that playing through a lot of the stories that we learn, you know, the, the dragon slaying stories or, or the, the save the girl kind of stories or, you know, the, the, the outlaw becomes the good guy kind of stories. Like there's all kinds of different stories that we play through that we've, that we've learned from, you know, watching movies and reading books and, and just from listening to like, Bible stories like a lot of those a lot of those stories tend to be repetitive because they have a purpose that we as humans have decided is 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 so valuable that we're never going to let it go away it just gets repeated in different forms throughout the games we play through and and people see games as an escape from reality and I think that they can be but I think it's more accurate to think of them as a supplement to reality for people who can't live through those storylines, they play the game to get that same experience. They get the rush of killing the dragon and saving the girl. They get the rush of understanding the consequences of, if I do this thing in this game, then my friend in the game is going to die. They, they play through all these different things, and you might say that's silly, but it weighs on people. It helps them understand the world better, and, and there's a certain level of moderation that needs to be involved, obviously, but absorbing these scenarios and living through them especially through virtual reality which is a whole other conversation all of those things help people understand how to be people how to be how to be proper humans and how to care for each other and how to do what's what's good not only for them but for their families for their communities for the world and i think if more people were exposed to those types of games then that would be that would be good so where was i going with that I think that I think that where I was what I was trying to get at was that's that's the act part of it. That was my expansion to that idea, and I wanted to explore that topic more later. But I want to talk about the speaking today. Why speaking is so incredibly valuable and important, and why it's why it's it's so good that people need to learn how to speak. And like I was I was talking to a guy that does a podcast, and I hope to have him on here eventually, and on Talk Agony. But we were talking about the idea of the utopia, the perfect world, which I acknowledge can never exist and I wouldn't want a utopia because there would be corruption and evil and, and all these things that would cause it to not work right properly and so I, I don't want utopias to be a thing. I'll, I'll make that very clear right now. We're talking about if you were to have your utopia, what would it look like? And in that I described that I wanted kids to be required to learn public speech at, you know, at a young age and, and at least, you know, semi-required throughout high school. They're required to learn how to write. It makes no sense to me that they shouldn't be required to learn how to speak. And I understand that people say that there's a lot more anxiety associated with speaking than there is with writing. And to that, I say take an AP test and tell me that there's no anxiety associated with writing. Because 
writing can be just as stressful as speaking. It's just a different type of stress, or it's at least located in a different area of the body. But people struggle with writing just as much as people struggle with speaking. I'm not sure if they're at the same proportions, but like people with dyslexia or people that are just not creative enough to, to express things in a written language, they struggle a lot with writing. There are people who struggle with a lot with speaking, but we're not encouraging kids to practice speaking. We're still encouraging kids to practice writing. And I think that writing is important. As I mentioned earlier, writing is one of the things that makes you a deadly human. But if you're not being taught how to speak, it it starts to cause issues in your life. That's why we're seeing such a, a massive amount of people that are anxious all the time and they have social anxiety and they have hard times making friends and they're, you know, they're wanting to stay inside all day and, you know, the depression rates are going up and, and, you know, online dating is becoming more and more popular, like all these different things. I'm not saying that they are directly associated with public speaking, not being influenced and more in the classroom, but I think it does have an impact. And I have an entire episode planned out for that whole thing too. And I'll get to that. But I think that public speaking is such a powerfully powerful and useful skill that it needs to be emphasized a lot more in the education system than it is. I mean, speeches throughout history have have motivated people to do things that they never would have been able to do without that speech. And, you know, we, we were taught from, from a young age that speech is powerful, that we had to listen to our parents what they said, that we had to listen to our teachers and what they said. We listened to the law enforcement and what they said. I mean, we even learned it through religion that, you know, in, in most religions, especially in, in the Judeo-Christian systems, we learned that speech is, is inherently one of the most powerful things you can possess. I mean, God spoke things into existence. Marduk of the ancient Mesopotamian religions and, and belief systems, he spoke magic words that they could do things that no other human could do. And so it's like the idea that speech is powerful is such a deep and power and, and an ancient idea that the earliest civilization possible knew that it was important. So why we're not focusing on the importance of that skill, I, I'm still not entirely sure. I'm working really hard on trying to develop my my speaking skills again because I I, I haven't spoken in, in a long time. I'm getting a little rusty. I love speaking so much. I think it's so much fun. I understand the anxiety associated behind it. I'm going to try to work on doing episodes on that too. And... I want to do episodes where I just give speeches and then I'll analyze them and I'll break them down. I'll talk about what I could have done better and what the speech means to me and why I wrote it and all these types of things. But I think in general, people just need to be talking more. And when I say talking, I don't mean speaking on stage. I mean talking. Physically sitting down with somebody and talking to them, having conversations, maybe having many debates, having you know discussions about different things. Just having vocal interaction in general is so such an important thing for for our you know psychology. There's a reason podcasts are becoming so popular is because we need to listen to voices. Like people are tired of reading posts online, and and there's there's a massive move right now to move a lot of you know, so like like Twitter and a couple other apps are moving to a more vocal based posting system because people are tired of reading. It's not that reading is a bad thing. I think the reading is a great thing, but having a voice behind those words is it has a certain level of, of, of authenticity that like you can't fake your voice very easily. I mean, some people can if, if they're good at it, but it takes a lot of practice. You can't just, you know, I can't just fake like the energy and passion in my voice. I can't fake it very easily. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot out of me to try to do that. And I couldn't sustain it for 25 minutes or however long this, this episode ends up taking. But 
if you have posts around that kind of stuff, people are going to be a lot less likely to try to cause trouble. They'll be a lot less likely to say stupid things. I mean, it's still going to happen. But when they have to take the physical energy of saying it out loud and it sounds stupid to them, they're not going to post it. When they read it, they don't read through it again. They just post, They just you know type it out and then send it. But when they have to say it out loud, when they have to hear it in their ears, that makes them realize how good or how bad their posts are. And maybe it'll kind of regulate the the negative, you know, the negativity that we see on social media. So voices are such a powerful thing. They have such a transformative property to them that that I don't think has been explored quite enough. We've had so many great speakers in in history, both in America and in the whole world, that it's a miracle to me that people have not been more exposed to the idea of learning how to speak at a young age. And I think that that's something that needs to change. So I don't know where I was exactly planning on going with this episode, besides the fact that voices are so powerful. But anyone who has thoughts on that concept, I I would love to have you on and have a discussion about this. Um, I just wanted to kind of have a first episode out there that talked about the importance of public speaking and why I think it's so valuable. And, you know, besides besides just the, the voices are powerful thing and the speech makes you a deadly person and everything like that, public speaking as a craft, as a science, as an art, whatever you want to call it, I think it has a lot of properties that people don't realize. It's very relaxing. I mean, besides the whole, like, you know, anxiety of talking in front of people kind of thing, once you get behind, once you get in the rhythm of writing speeches and giving them, it's very, very relaxing. It kind of helps your brain, you know calm down because you're just venting out all that information and that's that's part of the reason why i started my first podcast talk agony is because i had so much information stuck in my head that i learned in school that i needed to vent all of it out somewhere and the internet was a good place for that so i did it but i had to say it vocally because there's something about saying things vocally that just gets them off of your mind and off of your chest and it makes it feel it makes you feel so much better about yourself and and not only that it helps you understand what it is you're trying to work through. Maybe you're saying things not because you believe them, but because you're trying to figure out what they mean. And I do that all the time. I talk about things I don't fully believe or understand. I just say them because I need to get them out and I need to hear my own voice say them. That way I can try to break them apart and figure out what they mean and put them back together. That's essentially what I'm doing with this podcast. So there's a lot of beneficial transformative properties to learning how to speak. It's very relaxing. It's very empowering. You feel very confident in yourself if you're able to give a solid speech in front of a crowd. And that doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. I understand that. But to those who can do it, and and I think everyone can learn how to speak. I, I'll you know be the first to say that I was a terrible, terrible speaker for a very long time. It took me a very, very long time and a lot of self-discipline to figure out how to speak and be confident about it. I'm not saying it's easy. I am saying it helps out a lot. If you can learn to speak, if you can learn to actually speak, to articulate the thought and, and portray it in a way that you're proud of, that's one of the biggest self-esteem boosters I've ever experienced. Like, I'm being perfectly honest, the anxiety associated with, with learning how to speak is is one of the hardest challenges I've had to overcome. But the gratif- the the, uh, the gratifying, satisfying, whatever word, the satisfaction that you get from being able to deliver a solid speech and just going, damn, I killed that. It's so, it makes you feel so good. Like, I cannot stress that enough, how, how, how significant that feeling is and how much I would love to share that with other people. But it's a difficult thing, you know, to convince someone to to invest in something that they're scared of because that's a good long-term effect. I think that it's something that we'll be exploring more as we go into this. And I think that it's something that to be a good leader, you know, because there, there's good, you know, silent leaders. 
you know, I, I completely accept that. But to be a good leader, to be a good charismatic person, to be someone that people want to be around, public speaking can help out in way more ways than than what I've been able to describe here today. And I hope that we'll be able to explore that more. But I'm I'm starting to kind of run low on juices about what I wanted to talk about. I think that those are just I I just want to get the idea out there that speech is powerful. That you know. It, it, it does something to a person that, that is able to master it and, and control it well. I'm not saying that I've mastered it, but I've definitely done a lot more in it than, than I'd say the average person has, and definitely a lot more than I ever thought I'd be able to do. And so for anyone who has anything to add to that, anyone who wants to come on here and talk about their experience after learning how to, how to, how to speak publicly, anyone who wants to learn, anyone who wants to have the conversation about why they think it might be important or why they think it might not be important, if anyone thinks I'm wrong, feel free. Like, let's have the conversation. Let's, let's talk about these things. That's what this podcast is for, is to get ideas out there and let people decide what they want to take away from it and what they don't. And again, I apologize for going incredibly fast. I just kind of, my brain just blew up and, and went everywhere. And I was trying to figure out where I wanted to, to take those thoughts. And they kind of just took a direction of their own. And a lot of the things I mentioned are going to be future episodes. So don't think I just you know, shortcutted something because I didn't have anything to say on it. I have a lot to say on a lot of things I talked about. I just, I either want someone with me in the episode to talk about some of these things, or I just, I know they're going to take me an hour and a half to get through, and I don't want to take up an entire episode that's not about that topic. It's about the power of public speaking. So I think that's all I have for this episode. I think that's a good place to stop for right now. Um, this, I think this was a good first episode. I hope this was not overload our next episode is actually gonna be our first interview which is really exciting because it's, it's it's with a friend of mine that i've had on talk academy and i've been on his podcast but you guys won't see that for a while but his name's alex awesome dude we had a great conversation and i really hope you guys um enjoy it as much as i did and and go show alex a lot of love whenever you go see that episode um but i did want to announce i think i'm gonna be doing it every friday after an episode so these episodes are posted on fridays fridays at noon I think every Friday after an episode gets posted, maybe around like one or two o'clock, I want to live stream, maybe like an hour, maybe two, which kind of depends on how things go. And I want to live stream my speech writing process. I want to break it down. I want to talk about how it works. I might, I might even record it one of these days, uh, or maybe I'll live stream on YouTube and post that or whatever. I don't know yet, but I want to live stream my speech writing process. I want people to kind of work with me while I speak, while I work through the speech writing and and brainstorm with me and bounce ideas off of me and and listen to my ideas and have them tell me if it's good or not. Just kind of to see how I do it, and I want to learn from how other people do it or how they would do it or or what they're learning from from my process or maybe just kind of chat and have fun while I'm while I'm writing speeches. I think it'd be kind of a fun thing to do, and then I'll give that speech either the next week or, or you know one of the following weeks, and then. After that, I'll, I'll analyze the speech or, or whatever. I still haven't decided if I'm going to do speech one week and then episode on that speech the next week, or if I'm going to do the speech in the same week and the episode later the week or same day. You're, I haven't decided how I'm going to do it yet. Let me know. Let me know what you guys would like to hear. Would you like to hear like you know a new podcast episode every Friday, but we'll start doing every other Friday as a speech. So it's like speech podcast, speech podcast, speech podcast. Or would you rather have podcasts every Friday? And then I have the speech sometime earlier in the week that, that week, and then we analyze it on the podcast, and maybe the speeches are every other week or whatever. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. I think that'd be kind of a cool idea to do, you know, speech podcast, speech podcast. That way I can analyze them in full depth and give you guys a week to listen to them and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and also what's kind of cool about it is the speeches I'll be giving you 
hopefully you guys will be helping me write. And I think that would be really, really cool to see how a group effort in writing a speech could be a really interesting thing to see how it comes out. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how that, how that ends up going. Um, that's all I have for this for this episode, for this first episode. Again, look forward to next episode because it's going to be with our first ever guest and, and it's going to be a very, very interesting conversation. And then after that is our first ever speech episode. So I'm super excited. I hope you guys are super excited too. I look forward to seeing if this ends up going anywhere. If not, then cool. I just get some thought. I just, I just get some thoughts out on the internet and, and hopefully I, I can stop driving myself crazy with all of them. So yeah, thank, thank everyone for, for tuning in. I hope to see you next week.